Live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island, it's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Guest on the way. Come on's back in the Finley Toyota studios. We're going to talk to one of the folks here at the TI in just a little bit. Patrick Burbert will be in from the book. What's up, Damon? Uh, none much, Steve. Having a good day. How about yourself? Uh, not a whole lot. Football on the way. Football Friday. we got a lot of good conversations to get into. Getting ready for the Vanderbilt UNLV game tomorrow. Raiders with a chance to go 2-0, and although an uphill climb. But there is a lot of money on the Raiders because the number has dropped as the Raiders are now plus 8 at a lot of places around town. You know, I mentioned that UNLV has a game tomorrow. It's a, it's a big game because it's an SEC team in Vanderbilt. It'll be a really nice win. And for a program, really both programs, that are striving to, uh, I almost said make the NCAA tournament, but to make a bowl game, you got to win six games uh, safely. Really, you got to win seven this is a pivotal game for both teams, and I know Barry Odom is counting on a good-sized crowd and wants to impress newer fans, existing fans, but they're also going to have over 500 recruits on the scene from 2024 through, I'm guessing, even like 2027 recruits. Uh, they've done a hell of a job papering the country with offers, so a lot of the kids are coming to town, so it would be nice if an extra big crowd showed up for what should be a pretty competitive game. The basketball program's also into this, Damon, because via the Friends of UNLV, which is more towards the uh, NIL end of things, they're going to be doing a meet-and-greet with some runner rebels. So you wondering who's out there? Yeah, tell me. Uh, they're going to – and this is actually one of the things I think they're going to promote all season long, and they should. Uh, they're talking about the Vegas boys. So you got three guys from Vegas on the roster, including the, the lead name, the biggest name, is the young in DJ Thomas, who's a top 25 player in the 2024 class, recommitted, check that, reclassified, and he's on the squad. He'll be out there, but so will Jalen Hill from Clark High School and Oklahoma. And they'll feature, I think it's a total of five different runner rebels at section 143 inside the building. So that'll go up, I think, until the end of the first quarter. So look for them at section one. 43. So hoping there's a big crowd. Should be a good game. The pregame starts here at 3 o'clock with the Ted Wayne, uh, Ted Wien's UNLV football pregame show. What are you doing tomorrow? Come out to the game. I'm going. Don't you worry. You're going as a fan or media? Media, baby. I mean, why can't I dabble and do both? I'll be over there at section 143. Okay. Yeah, you can do both. Yeah. You can do both. Uh, last night, Eagles with a big victory. I thought the Vikes showed grit in coming back, you know, making it a little bit of a test. Uh, give me some highlights here. Let's uh, start out with the passing connection, which wasn't – it was good with this guy, but it wasn't like it was a gigantic night for Jalen Hurts, but just enough because the run game produced over 250 yards. Here's uh, a deep pass play from Hurts to Devontae Smith. He looks. He is going deep downfield. He wants Smith, who has it at the 15. He's down to the 10. Devontae Smith. 
Devontae Smith there. Devontae Smith also had a touchdown. Uh, he had a monster game. And then this Eagles run game, they changed some of the faces, but they haven't really changed the output because it was awesome last night. Again, over 250 yards. Uh, we'll get into the tush-push or whatever you want to call it, the push play that they run. It seems just as efficient as it was a year ago. But DeAndre Swift, who uh, was quiet in week one, in week two, they made him the bell cow. He got 28 carries. Here's a couple of the carries, a call from Al Michaels. Swift, first down, and a lot more. Inside the 20, inside the 10, and out of bounds with a first down and goal to the outside. And then to the inside. Touchdown, Swift. All right. You know, we talked a lot about Michaels and Herbie. Did you watch the game with the sound on? No, I was I was out. I was out. You're not doing your job if you're not watching Thursday Night Football. No. Um, I did. I, I actually made an effort because we were getting on them a little bit in terms of their passion for the game. And I thought they did a pretty good job. It wasn't a home run. And I should not be critiquing a Hall of Famer, but this does happen at advanced ages. And we think of Herbie as a college football guy, and he's making the adjustment to the NFL. It was solid. It was solid. I thought some of the interviews by, uh, what is it, Kaylee Hartung, who's back over from CNN. Mm-hmm. She did the... Uh, the Amazon uh, post game with Swift. I thought that was a pretty good conversation. And you know what? I actually, I kind of like some of the analysts. Uh, Carissa Thompson's the lead, and um, I think Fitzy's getting better. Uh, Dick Sherman's very solid. Uh, some of the other guys on the panel were good as well. So I think Amazon's doing a pretty good job. A lot of the rave was about the the way the broadcast looks or how it can be like interactive almost. I didn't see it, but I, lo- I saw a lot of people like, oh, this is the future of watching sporting. Did you see any of that? Were you watching on the official Amazon product? Well, I was, but I, I don't know, man. I don't really want to get into this because I never know if it's just my setup or everyone's having trouble with it. For the last year plus, no matter what TV I use in my house, and I guess people could come back and say, hey, it's your internet, but no matter what TV I use during the game, the signal is not clear. Ooh. And I've got four TV set up five set up downstairs i guess i could try an upstairs tv i've got like five other tvs i could hook up that aren't being used so maybe that's what i need to do but then the funny thing is as soon as the game ends i feel like a lot of people aren't watching the post game when i watched the post game the picture was crystal clear so maybe it's a me problem yeah it's got to be a, a you problem I are you sure no one else has issues with the picture i didn't see any complaints about not having the picture was it just out no, no, it wasn't out. It was just blurry. It's not, it's not a real clear picture. So, How are you watching a game with no clear picture? I just sit there and watch it like an idiot. What am I going to do? That's uh, worse was, than Bischoff going to get an antenna because he doesn't know how to stream the UNLV game. There's no way in the world I'm just watching, what, pixelated images? I mean, honestly, I was half watching it and doing work <laughs> anyway, so I was getting ready for the weekend. So the picture didn't matter. The sound, was for me, was the most important thing. Okay. So... Eagles out to a 2-0 start. Now, the only weird thing in the game was A.J. Brown seemed to be pissing and moaning in the fourth quarter about not getting enough targets, which, like, bro, you're leading. I, I, don't even, I can't even imagine that what he, what, that's what he was doing, but that's the claim that everyone made. And then for some reason, after the game, we'll play the audio yesterday, or yesterday, later today, Nick Sirianni lied about seeing what was going on, which why would you lie – and someone said to him, they're like, you were standing right there. I, we saw on TV you talking to them. Oh, he go, no, he goes, okay. Like, you lied. Not okay. 
And then he flipped it too. It's none of your business. So to your point yesterday, what did you say about Sirianni? Um, that Justin Gannon's just following. I said that Justin Gannon's following yep. in his footsteps. Yep. And I, but it's, I, but I it's fired back. The, I'm sorry. No, I fired back it. and said Sirianni. I thought Sirianni handles it a little more smoothly, and he actually does kind of have an edge on him where you can respect him. But the lying in the press conference, I thought, was one of the silliest things to do. I don't. I don't get it about such an innocuous topic. Did you want to go to Diva Man? Um, I do, but we we could set it up <laughs> oh, here in a second. Okay. Um, so AJ Brown is sitting on the sidelines. He seems to be beefing with. Hertz. Hertz did address it after the game and said, you know, we're cool. He's my bud. Um, apparently, a couple of guys on TikTok were watching it and had this reaction. AJ Brown out there tripping, being a diva. Man, y'all up. Stop being a diva, man. Yeah, man. He just hating on his homie. <laughs> being a diva out there, man. Come on, now. All right. I'm going to defend AJ Brown here. Are you? Yes. Okay. I'm going to zig while others zag. If I'm open, I'm open. I got to let you know about it. I don't care how much we're up by. He's out there running his routes. If he feels that he's open, he's just telling his quarterback, hey, man, I was open right there, so maybe maybe next time you hit me. Is it more acceptable because it's a wide receiver? It is kind of a gimme position. You do have to call for attention every once in a while? Yes, because let's say even if they are up, but he Jalen Hurts misses him on a pass. No one, this, there would be no TikToks about a diva quarterback if he's like, I don't care if we're about 40, get your head in the game and run those routes right. Hmm. I don't know. It's weird stuff. We'll ask Mark McGillan. He's coming up in about five minutes. I uh, want to remind people, when you go to the UNLV game tomorrow, get there early. You can grab a free foam finger courtesy of Intermountain Health. The first 3,000 fans can grab him inside Allegiant Stadium right inside the gates. And, again, kickoff is 4 o'clock. They open the gates well before that, so get over to uh, Vandy and UNLV. Again, 4 o'clock kickoff. Get there early, and you have a nice goodie as soon as you walk in. Are they going to push him in? They're lined up to do that. Yep. Push him. First down. The push. The touchdown. Then you run that push play, and it's impossible to stop. Now back to Cofield and Company, live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. All right, rolling on. Cofield and Company. DeMond's back in the Finley Toyota Studios. We're out here at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. Mark McMillan is up with us now. What's up, Mark? What's going on? What's going on? What's going on? Not too much, Mark. Um, well, let's get into it. First of all, the game last night, what do you think? Um, it, it looked, it looked, it was until they start running the ball, the Eagles, um, you know, the first couple of series, they were just pass happy. And I've heard you guys talk about A.J. Brown uh, in the beginning. They gave him a little screen pass to kind of get his feet wet. But uh, I, I think he got a little jealous of Devontae uh, getting all the love, uh, getting the deep balls, and, and getting a couple of touchdowns. Why does that happen? And then what's the conversation like on the sideline? I can't imagine other players and coaches standing around watching A.J. Brown, and you're like, bro, we're winning. Well, I got to remember, I, re- I played with uh, T.O. and uh, Jerry Rice back in San Francisco, and it was a lot worse than that, and T.O. let everybody know it, including Mariucci, and he also let Jerry Rice know it as well, that he is the best receiver on the team and throw him the darn ball. So it doesn't turn into a thing that's counterproductive? No, it doesn't. You know, it's, it's uh, offensive guys, man, they're, they're different. They're built different, <laughs> especially wide receivers and quarterbacks. Everybody wants their name called. Everybody wants the, the limelight. Uh, I don't see this being any problem. Uh, these guys are best friends off the field as well, so – I'm sure after the game, they probably chopped it up uh, outside right. of the cameras and, and, and hashed it out. 
And I usually defend exchanges like this. And I also, I don't exactly know what's going on because we're not there with a microphone. So I don't want to overreact. On the way back, we heard some of the Al Michaels calls on uh, Amazon and the Eagles using that push play again in short yarded situations, but especially (laughs) on the goal line. You know, I thought they were going to do something to curb that or outlaw it. The NFL didn't. So for the Eagles, why not keep doing it? Yeah, it's, it's probably one of the best plays in, in football right now, and everybody knows that they're going to do it. It was no question when they lined up on the goal line. I think a five-year-old could have knew that Jalen Hurts was going to keep the ball and do a quarterback sneak. And you see uh, the lineman, you know, Kelsey was probably like two yards in the end zone ahead of her. So it's, pre- it's pretty much unstoppable. Mark McMillan is with us. Grillin McMillan, you can find him up on Twitter at Mark McMillan. 29 okay well let's get into the issue of it's unstoppable i mean you play defense there's got to be a way to stop it like what what (laughs) what are dc supposed to do because you would figure the offseason was at least filled with a little bit of scout look ahead hey we play the eagles how are we stopping this friggin' thing because it's not this is not insignificant i mean it's it's basically an automatic touchdown inside the two-yard line and if they want they can go for fourth and one or two almost every time they're in that situation you have to find a way to stop it you, you figure you could stop it. You know, it's, it's basically goal line defense. Uh, you know, fourth and one, uh, short yardage, you know, teams go for it and they stop it. And, you know, you kind of don't know what play is coming. But when it's under center, on the goal line, within the two-yard line, you know the Eagles are doing the quarterback sneak. Well, push, the push, whatever they want to call it. But um, it's got to be deflating for the defensive lineman, man. They put the biggest guys that they had uh, for Minnesota up there, and they still couldn't stop it. Hey, one last thing on this, and Devon, I know you're up next. Uh, Mark McMillan's with us. If, say, Hertz goes out and has a year where he throws 25 touchdowns, which is good, but not you know top of the heap for quarterbacks, right? Top quarterbacks are going to throw 35, 38, maybe more than 40. He throws 25 touchdowns and runs in 20. His numbers are overall aren't as good as some other quarterbacks. He is the MVP, right? If you, I mean, if you, if you, if you're part of that many touchdowns, and I don't think 20 is unrealistic. I, I think you can get to 20 rushing touchdowns. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. You know, uh, obviously, he, he wasn't really, uh, you know, connecting yesterday. Uh, obviously, the uh, offensive line, uh, you know, didn't, didn't uh, protect him well as far as the passing. But when they start running the ball, they did a, a lot better. Even some of the running plays where Jalen was getting big yards last year, uh, the, I think the Vikings did a really good job of keeping their outside linebackers uh, outside containing them so he couldn't run out, you know, outside the pocket. Mark, I want to ask you about that defensive line because those two young guys they got there, Jalen Carden and Jordan Davis, I think that, that that's Woo. they've got an unstoppable <laughs> defensive line and those guys are coming along quicker than I expected. Yeah, they're 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 grown men already. Uh, obviously, you know, you, you get the, the first round pick that has some troubles off the field uh, that a lot of people kind of shied away from and. The things that the Eagles were able to do and get some really good players in the offseason, uh, especially with the draft, and you get all the Georgia guys, uh, especially Davis coming into his second year, um, those guys are getting so much push. And you got Fletcher Cox, uh, you know, you, the old Wiley veteran guys sitting back and letting these young guys really get after it. And the, the Eagles have a lot of, you know, injuries as well on the defensive side of the ball. You know, Reddick was out. Uh, they probably lost Devontae Maddox to, uh, to a pictorial. Uh, care for the year, so they're hurting at the nickel spot, which uh, Minnesota took advantage of that last night once they found out that Maddox was out of the game. 
with Minnesota, not to analyze the entire team, but just the locker room mindset, what's it like on a team of you've been in that situation being 0-2 early in the season? You know that you're a good team, made the playoffs last year, but, but just losing close games. It's tough, man. You know, they came in fired up. You know, everybody was looking forward to the matchup. Um, you know, I know a lot of people uh, got on Kirk Cousins. Said, he stood in there and took some really tough shots, and those guys really play for him. And, you know, obviously losing Cook, to, uh, you know, through free agency, uh, they're struggling in the running game. Uh, uh, so it's real tough uh, on that end for, for Kirk, you know, to sit back and everybody knows he's going to be throwing the ball. So it's got to be deflating for those guys. Uh, their turnovers cost them big time. Uh, you know, the, the the fumble outside of the end zone, as my man, you know, is going in for a touchdown, really hurt as well. By the way, we should clarify a little bit. They didn't exactly lose him in free agency. They elected to not bring him back and not pay him the money. So if they have any complaints, it's on them. They didn't budget correctly, and Madison better get it together or the O-line better get it together. I mean, Kirk Cousins will probably have big numbers, but he can't win these games alone. Uh, the other thing I noticed that you pointed out during the game, Mark McMillan's with us, is if teams want to blitz Jalen Hurts, then the way to counter this whole thing is with that downhill running game. And yeah. in general, defenses better come up with some new game plans because I don't think you can blitz the Eagles. Yeah, it, w- it was uh, at first, you know, they were getting some good pressure on them. And then obviously, you know, DeAndre Swift, uh, who's a hometown Philly guy from St. Joe's Prep High School right there in Philly, uh, another Georgia Bulldog. Uh, you know, uh, you know, they unleashed him last night and, you know, he went up well over 100 yards. Uh, he ran the ball hard. I thought Boston Scott did a really good job coming in, relieving him as well. Uh, just gashing him right up the middle. Mark, I want to move over to the Raiders as they're going up to Buffalo this weekend. But Woo! first, I want to take it back to last week when they got that first win of the season against Denver. What did you see from the Raiders that you liked in that in that first game? Um, I just saw the guys just never got gave up. You know, last year they were losing games, uh, you know, by close margins. And this, uh, you know, last week they won a game by a close margin. And, you know, uh, obviously Jimmy G, you know, got off to a pretty pretty rough start. You know, uh, the, the pick in the end zone was really, really crazy. You know, that's uncharacteristic of, of Jimmy G, and I think that's why they got him, so he wouldn't turn the ball over uh, in those situations. They really didn't get the running game going as well as they would expect it. Um, obviously, Devontae Adams, you know, started start heating up a little bit. But I think the defense, man, they really got after those guys. Um, uh, my, my game ball, you know, I know a lot of people praises Max. He did a great job. He took over that game in the third quarter. But Nate Hobbs at the nickel position stepped up big time. I think he had like 10 tackles. Um, he played the run really well. He defended the slot court, uh, receiver really well. Um, so it was really cool to see that. And Ja'Korian Bennett, the young rookie. You know, the young rookie really stepped up as well. And I don't think the Broncos really challenged Peters as much as I thought. But I look forward to uh, Diggs going after Peters this weekend. Yeah, the matchup's going to be really interesting with Hobbs if he's matched up often with Stephon Diggs, right? I know you just mentioned another matchup, but they're going to be able to shut him down. No, it's it's like Jefferson, man. These guys are really good at their craft. You can't shut these guys down. You just got to contain them. Uh, and I'm looking for a Hunter Renfro sighting. Can we get Hunter Renfro involved in the offense? Here's a guy all season, man, has just been crushing guys in practice, uh, in training camp, going against other teams, and no catches. You know, he's a security blanket that they need to get involved uh, in the offense. So um, that, that's what I want to see. That get Hunter Renfro the ball in the offense and things will be a little bit better for those guys. Uh, what was your Charles Haley event like? 
Oh my goodness, man! If anybody ever ran into Charles Haley, uh, Charles Haley's the same as he was when he played the game, wide open. Uh, you know, he he didn't hold back anything. So it was a great event, man. It was some really cool guys. I got a chance to talk to me, Joe Green, uh, Mel Blunt. I got a picture with Mel Blunt, so I was like a fan guy. You know, when I saw Mel Blunt, and uh, you know, so it was pretty cool. Jerry Rice was there. Uh, you know, uh, Ricky Jackson, LT was in the building. And LT was in rare form as well, so it was a lot of cool guys there as well. <laughs> You're talking Lawrence Taylor, not Ladanian Tomlinson. Oh yeah, for, for, well people, I would think people when you say LT, people would think Lawrence Taylor. No, yeah, really? yeah Mark, I'm, I'm I'm 27. I mean, LT was Ladanian Tomlinson was my LT growing up. Oh, that's right. You still a baby. You still a little baby. You still <laughs> drink a Similac. Uh, I saw the picture with Mel Blunt. That's pretty incredible that you guys played in the same area of the field. <laughs> like, we think of 70s players as being small. He was a behemoth. Oh. <laughs> so crazy. He, he was a giant. And, you know, just standing next to him, you, you see, I look like a little kid standing next to him. And, you know, just sitting there picking his brain. Because I grew up a Steelers fan, uh, you know, watching the Steel Curtain. Obviously, I played for Bud Carson, uh, God rest his soul, who invented the Steel Curtain back in Pittsburgh and was my coordinator in Philadelphia. And, just, you know, Mel Blount, man, the guy's like 6'3", 6'4", almost, long, was athletic. Uh, you know, so it was pretty cool to chop it up with those guys. Um, you know, uh, Wesley Walls was there. Uh, you know, Doug Williams was there. So all those guys went to uh, black colleges. So it was pretty cool to hear those guys chop it up as well as talk about their locker room and, and the lack of funding that they had. Did they cook up a full pig for the event? They had three whole hogs there. Three? Is, I, I played in a lot of events, but – I've never had an opportunity to see a whole hog on the course. And the chef that was on the course, she said, oh, no, we got three more hogs uh, ready to go for you guys. So, man, the skin, the skin was crispy. Uh, the pork loin was delicious, man. It was outstanding. Uh, what time does your stuff start this weekend with Channel 8? Uh, we'll be on uh, this Sunday at 8 o'clock a.m. Check us out on Raiders pregame live as we break down this week's contest between the Las Vegas Raiders and the Buffalo Bills, who the Raiders have not beaten since 2016. So it's been it's got a lot on the line, man. So they haven't beaten uh, Buffalo in Buffalo since 2002. So they're they're up against some some really good odds. Uh, so hopefully they can they can bang it out. So check us out, man. Me and Ron and Chris on Eight News Live Raiders pregame live show, baby. What are you going to do on Saturday for the Bama game? Oh, I'm actually going to be at the UNLV game. You are going to go to the UNLV game. I, I know we benched our quarterback. You know, we're going to go with the young guy. So um, they'll, they'll win that game. But, you know, I'm looking forward to this UNLV matchup. Uh, obviously, you got a uh, Vanderbilt from the SEC coming in. Uh, has some really good games against Vanderbilt my days at Alabama. So looking forward to see how UNLV bounces back from the Michigan game. Um, I thought they fared, you know, pretty good uh, considering going on the road in a hostile environment gets the number number two team in the nation. So it'll be pretty interesting to see how they come back here at home in front of the home crowd against an SEC opponent. I think you did text me during the game against Michigan saying that you'd like to see a little more, not press coverage, but the coverage up tight against the receivers. Yeah, you got to challenge these guys. Um, you know, you just can't let these guys just uh, have, you know, scot-free. You know, uh, obviously Michigan's got some really good receivers. But, man, if, you, if you're going to go and upset a team and, and try to really get after it, you got to take some chances and – I thought in the first half they played a little bit uh, soft coverage in, on the outside. But, you know, toward the end of the game, man, they seemed like they really stepped up. They tackled really well. Um, you know, if you can go into the big house and they scored, you know, so it wasn't like it was a bad, bad performance and the guys came out injury free. So 
I think uh, Coach Oldham has got these guys playing. They locked in for 60 minutes. Uh, before we let you go, you got something big going on next week for the race? Yeah, man, October 14th. Uh, man, I just got in, uh, invited by uh, Jeff Motley uh, for the Las Vegas Motor Speedway. I'll be cooking, man. Grilling McMillan on the Inner Circle tent, October 14th at 5.30 p.m. I How cool ahead. is that, man? I yeah, went that... from playing football to being on Next Level Chef, and now I'm cooking <laughs> on the infield at NASCAR. You can't beat that. I think this is your future, doing, doing tailgating out at all these events. <laughs> you make a lot of money doing it, man. Yeah, you're right, man. So I, I don't know where this thing is going to take me, but, Steve, we've been at this for a long time. We've always tried to you know, reach out to other restaurants, and, and now all of a sudden I can't shake them. Everybody's like, hey, ah. can we get on 8 News Live? Can you come try our food out? I'm like, well, you guys have kind of closed the door on me back in the day, so I'm going to keep ah! it moving. Yeah, <laughs> all right, yeah. Be consistent. Don't just come around now. All right, Mark, yeah. I'll see you out at the uh, UNLV game tomorrow. All right, fellas, have a great show. Keep up the good work. There he is, Mark McMillan. On the way back, a little college football, a little more on Deion Sanders and the question of uh, you know all the pomp and circumstance and the trash talk. And uh, we got his speech that he gave to his team yesterday after Jay Norvell from Colorado State tried to go after him. Uh-oh. Hang in at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. It's Cofield and Company. for the uh, Colorado Colorado State game now, which may have slipped through because it's a later start and it's a big point spread. Oh, what do you mean? I'm I, it's I'm still fired up. All all the coverage that I've consumed today of just Dion has been amazing. It's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, here's so Norvell makes a statement the other day on his coach's show saying uh, basically being adult, take off your hat and the stupid glasses. I'm throwing in the stupid. I'm embellishing a little bit, and uh, Dion. Heard it and then had a little speech, and his guys were kind of in unison with some chanting. Listen to this. Why would you want to talk about us when we don't talk about nobody? All we do is go out here, work our butts off, and do our job on Saturday. But when they give us ammunition, they unmasked around and made it what? It was just going to be a good game. They unmasked around and made it. Personal. It was going to be a great test, a battle of Colorado, but they unmasked around and made it. Personal. All right. So they made it. Come on, Devon. Ready? Three, two, one. Personal. Personal. Okay. You got to say it like you're a, lot, like you're a fired up college kid. I, I'm not going to do that. I mean, I can do it, but, you know, I don't want to insult anyone. Do you think he coached him up before the video? Probably. Because it yes. sounded like a couple guys, they were they were saying personal before, you know, he didn't ask for it yet, you know? Yeah. Hey, whoa, 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 whoa. That's why he probably circled back with another line. He's like, get the personal right. Come on, we're filming this. Yeah, it's, so I, 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 I saw a tweet on this, and someone said, um, everything about this clip is just so tailor-made for this new era of college sports. Famous coach, viral speeches, cameras always rolling, embrace of NIL player promotion IG handles on the practice jerseys. Did you see that? No, that's that's genius. Oh, yeah. yeah, one of the kids came over and he, and he turned his back to the camera. Yeah, they've got their IG handles on their jerseys. Do you know how counter this is to what most college coaches want from their kids? While college coaches are allowed to be incredibly selfish, they always talk about players being selfless. Right? So most would croak if a player came to them and they're like, hey, you know what? Since we're on video all the time at practice, 
Why don't we put our IG handles or our social handles on the jerseys? Get out now. You're suspended for a game. No they commitment use, to the program. Uh, yeah, yeah, and that's that's what I, you know. Don't worry about the what is it? Worry about the name on the front, not on the back. Well, and with Dion's guys are like, yeah, you can do both, which they're kind of right. Like, is it actually going to hurt the football? Can you imagine if he does it in a game? <laughs> Doesn't have the traditional name on the back, but Twitter handle. Here's my TikTok handle. It'd be a bitch for announcers, I'll tell you that. If they were, if they if they don't have the numbers memorized and they're they're like, what's his name? What? GZ twenty three whatever. F off. Which I don't think that would be mine, but I might steal that. That would be that would take the XFL that first iteration <laughs> yes. to the next level. You I know. mean that's it. Kind it is it is a blend of Dion as a player, some XFL stuff, and now with the recent trend of getting everything on video, um, it's interesting. Although I don't know if this is tailor made for a new era, I just wonder how many people are going to jump on board with this. And I, I did see a, I think his name is Josh Pate, college football dude, who was saying uh, after the season you're going to have a bunch of schools being like, "Where's our Dion? Go get our Dion." I don't think you can just come up with any guy. And get a new Dion. Now back to Cofield and Company, live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. Good call from Joe Buck. We're live here at TI, Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. Time for a giveaway before we get to uh, Matt Perino. It's our tailgate prize pack giveaway, a six-foot classic sub from Porta Subs, your neighborhood sandwich shop, and you get a Yeti cooler. Giveaway is brought to you by Finley Volvo Las Vegas on Rainbow in the 215 and online at FinleyVolvo.com. And, of course, Porta Subs. Order your six-foot party trays all season long. You can go online at PortaSubs.com or on their app. All right, let's bring in Matt Perino, one of the guys covering uh, the Bills. He covers it for Syracuse.com. Matt, how you doing, buddy? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. So on the way back, we had a whole mix there of uh, rookies having some success in week number one, and I don't know that someone would have bet for uh, <laughs> a punt return from a rookie who had apparently by hard knock story had barely made the team, but what a freaking night it turned out to be for the Bills. Yeah, it was a, it was a wild night. I think, like, all this build-up, Aaron Rodgers with the flag coming out, and then having it be just kind of everybody get railroaded by him leaving the game and then Zach Wilson back in and it just being kind of like a clunker of a game, which I think if you watch these two teams play last year, it looked exactly like that. Like, you know, the Bills coming out, getting a lead early, and then kind of just struggling offensively. I think they did some good things defensively. Like, one of the under-the-radar things that happened in this game – um, although it was Zach Wilson, so you got to take it with a grain of salt, is I thought that the Bills' defensive line without Von Miller looked like the best unit they had on the field on either side of the ball. And Leonard Floyd looked like an immediate impact kind of signing, and that happened in early June. And so now you start to project what this thing could look like down the stretch when Von Miller gets back. And I think Bills fans are really excited about that. 
Ed Oliver had six pressures uh, in the middle, and that's the strength of this Jets offensive line with Vera Tucker there and Tomlinson. So some good things, but, yeah, a lot to figure out and correct in the offensive side. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, that's a good attitude now. I wonder how long it took for the market to kind of get over what happened on Monday to be realistic about what could be a good season. Because I know I saw you tweet late night on uh, Monday, this has to be one of, if not the worst regular season loss of the McDermott era. Yeah, you can't lose that game. Like, of course, the NFL is a week-to-week league, right? Like, we're, we're two days from week two, and it's a Raiders team coming in here. There's optimism around that, but that doesn't change the fact that that was a very winnable game. They should have won the game. Had Josh Allen not, you know, had a couple of those out-of-body experiences where he just kind of goes into this different realm and makes decisions that, you know, it's hard to understand, especially for a guy that I think we were talking last week or whenever I was on about how much time he spent this offseason saying, you know, I got to be smarter with my body. I got to be better uh, decision maker with the ball and not put the the ball in jeopardy because he did turn the ball over quite a bit. Nobody's turned the ball over more than he has since he came into the league. And part of that is you just it's part of the ride. You just accept that because of the highs. But in a game like that, year six Josh Allen has to figure out a way to avoid those big mistakes. And that one inter- that second long ball interception to Diggs, they probably end up with a field goal on that drive, and that's probably the difference in the game. Yep. I wonder what you think watching Josh Allen after the game, because I watched from afar, and I was like, man, he's taking this hard. He's down in the dumps. What do you – so much of this is body language and, and presentation with quarterbacks, the CEO of the franchise. Do you appreciate the fact that he really cares, he's really down in the dumps, or do you have to come out sort of with your, you know, your chest puffed out, uh, say you're sad about the loss, but also have kind of a, a strong representation because, man, he was down. Yeah, and I think part of that was just when you sit there in front of the world after a Monday Night Football loss and it was all on you and there's no other place to turn, Like I get the like despair that we saw. But to your point, and it's something that I thought was really interesting, and he said, if I was his coach, I'd sit him down after that game or maybe even before that game if he kind of thought this might be coming and say, we got to grow up here. It's year six. There's parts of this. We still don't, we don't want to take every, all the crazy out of your game, but some of the crazy just has to come out because otherwise we, you find yourself in situations like this. And, and part of the growing up process to me is like getting to a point where he is not so like live or die with every single play. Like you see his body language on the, on the sideline after a bad play or an interception it's, it's bad sometimes. It was bad in the Cincinnati game. It was bad again on Monday Night Football. And it's, it kind of reminds you of like a, a kid, right, that's kind of learning how to deal with adversity. Uh, he's got to know that better by now. He's a top-tier quarterback. So, uh, yeah, I agree. that, that the, the body language, under, while understandable, he's got to find a way to manage that. All right, I'm going to try to go deeper on this. It's probably too much on Josh Allen. But how much of a QB whisperer, was Dable, and it was Ken Dorsey a couple of years ago, right? Was it last year when he freaking flipped out and the camera was set up in his booth and he's throwing stuff against the window? I have that right, that Dorsey got, like, all fired up? Yeah, so that was uh, the one when we were throwing. Uh, he threw the iPad yeah. and everything went crazy on the broadcast, yeah. So I wonder if this is more acceptable because his OC is a lunatic. Um, I don't know, you tell me about Dable. Like, 
should we look at Dabo like, man, that guy had some magic in his words and his approach, and that's why Allen was playing so well at that time? Um, I was listening to Jordan Palmer, uh, who had actually recently been on my podcast, and he went on uh, with Cowherd after the game, and he said he remembered from a, a scouting event when he was talking to Brian uh, or Bill Belichick about Brian Dable, who was obviously in New England for all those years, and he said, Dable, more than anything, has a chance in this league to be an elite offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, or special teams coordinator oh, wow. because of how much he knows about the game. He can do it all. And I think that, like, be able to learn the game from somebody like that really set up Josh Allen to kind of figure out some of the, the problems early on, the accuracy issues, the decision-making, the calm. Like, interestingly enough, Ken Dorsey said when analyzing the performance, he said one of the things that he tries to focus on is, like, calm breeds calm. And when he's calling the plays into Josh Allen, he tries to maintain a calm disposition so not to get him overly rattled. And that's also something that they're dealing with. And, you know, Dorsey goes back with Allen three years before he took over the job as the quarterback's coach. He has an understanding of the player, and the player was the one that advocated for him to get the job. But it's like it's hard, I bet, navigating, okay, i got to evolve as a play caller and develop as a play caller all while managing the player who's now this superstar that's in every commercial on the cover of Madden. You know, it's, it's a different ball game he's playing than Dave will ever play. I was going to say, I bet you uh, Josh Allen could wish he could replicate that commercial where he's in the bush and just back up a couple steps after last <laughs> week's game. So ter- terrible line, but I appreciate the laugh. Uh, Matt Perino's with us, the Shout Podcast. All right, what does this Bills defense have to fear in the Raiders? Um, you know, I think Jacoby Myers going out isn't great for them. I think that he adds another dynamic to their offense that allows them to go somewhere when you know, teams want to try to take Devontae Adams out. So that's probably defense. Uh, I think Jimmy Garoppolo is a guy that's not going to lose you the game, obviously, and he's going to keep them in the game. And, you know, this defense is going to try to get after him. I think that that, that offensive line looked decent last week for the Raiders. You can speak more to that than I can. Uh, but on the back end, I mean, they're still going to rely on their safeties. They have a young middle linebacker in Terrell Bernard who had an okay start. I mean, there were moments a lot of fans were not happy with. But there were other moments where I think as the game went along, he looked a lot more confident. And it's only his first career start at middle linebacker in the NFL in his second season. So I'm going to be looking there. And if I'm the Raiders, you know, that's where I want to try to attack, especially in the run game. Because you know, the Bills they gave up a couple of really bad runs to Brees Hall, who's coming off that knee injury. And this has kind of been a bugaboo for this defense going back to the Leslie Frazier years. So if I'm Josh Jacobs, I'm kind of lick, licking my chops to, to test this Bills run defense. All right, we got to go off the field. And what happened at the beginning of the week with a uh, Bills team reporter on a hot mic saying basically Diggs is a jerk and he's a jerk to everybody. And then Diggs came back, and I thought it was interesting because he kind of said, hey, this is why I don't trust the media. And it was like, it's one person. Uh, two, he did apologize a lot in, in saying that, hey, if I've ever made someone feel like that. So he kind of added some validity to it. So what was your take on this? Well, you know, I, for full transparency, like, I would say for a quarter of the season at the end, all the way through the Cincinnati game, he didn't fulfill his weekly uh, media requirement. He didn't do weekly press conferences. He didn't do. Um, he didn't talk after the Bengals game. And as a matter of fact, they had to like track him down to get him back after he ran out of the locker room. That was covered uh, a, a bunch. So, but if you're asking me about the guy, 
I think he's been great to cover. Uh, I don't ever think he's been unavailable. Like, if I were to walk up to him, I would feel fine walking up to him in the locker room and asking him a question. But he hasn't always, I mean, that's just truthful. He hasn't always fulfilled that requirement. And I think, like, the exchange or the exchange that those two reporters had, obviously Maddie being, like, an in-team, in-house reporter, so she works for the Bills. Like, the reporter was kind of, like, alluding to the fact, like, hey, can you just go get staff? Like, because, you know, but she's not PR. I mean, there's a PR perspective to her job. Um, But I think she was just probably trying. I don't want to speak for her. I've not spoken to her. But I think just from listening to it, it sounded like she was just like, well, he's not going to, like, listen to me. Like, it doesn't matter what I say. But she just, it came off in a really Uh, uh, bad way. And then for Diggs, I, I get what he's saying, too, to a degree. It's like he's already dealt with some of this stuff over the course of his career, the narrative about who he is in the locker room. And I think that for that to get out like that, like I could see the level of hurt that he had for it. And, you know, I, I'm not going to sit here and act like I'm above, like I've never said anything bad about a player that I've covered in, in a private conversation. And I guarantee you there's been people in that room that have trash-talked me about a question that I asked or an interaction that I had. It's the nature of the beast. Like it's the, the back and forth, the push and pull. Um, so I feel bad for all parties. It's a horrible look. Um, and it's probably a situation where, you know, they, they probably had a good relationship. I don't know. I don't want to speak too much on the relationship. Yeah. I don't know anything about their relationship. But it's like, it, 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 it's not indicative of the environment from a day-to-day perspective that I've been able to see. Uh, real quick, we got like 45 seconds left. The betting on this game, we've got 60 cent, uh, 66% of the cash and 75% of the tickets are on the bills, but the number's going down. So that means the smart money, bigger money, is on the Raiders, now catching just eight. What do you think? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I could see this being maybe a close game. Like, if, if that's where, you know, that smart money is going, like, keeping it close. The thing that I don't like for the Raiders in this spot is they're coming off of a week one win against an AFC top three, four team that, you know, knows the, the, the numbers when teams start 0-2. So you're going to have a juiced-up crowd in Orchard Park. You've got to come uh, and play, you know, West Coast, East Coast, which is always a tough trip. And you're playing a defense that their strength is up front. And I think that if you get to Jimmy G and you, uh, you know, kind of frustrate him back there, unless they're able to really run the ball down the Bills' throat, they're going to have to keep up. Because I think the Bills' offense is poised for a big bounce-back game. Like, they didn't even really – I don't think they're going to be as heavy 12 personnel as they were in that first game. I think that was Jets-specific. I think you're going to start seeing some more 11 – with, like, maybe even Dalton Kincaid out there with Stefan Diggs and, you know, kind of playing wow. that Cole Beasley spot uh, like they have in years past and kind of mixing some different things up, try to run it a little bit more. So I still like the Bills even at eight, um, but I, I don't blame them after watching what happened in that first week if uh, people are starting to kind of doubt this thing. Matt, we appreciate your time. Thank you. No problem. Take care, guys. There he is, Matt Perino. We come back 4 o'clock hour. Reno joins in as we're at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island.